I'm Dan Bro, along with my co-host Matt Bruner, and welcome to the Real Estate Heroes Podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that we can help you to become the real estate hero. I want to welcome two students of ours, Seth Hardy and Michael Becerra. Now, these guys, when we first started with them, uh, they were struggling. They, they weren't having a, a ton of consistent results. Um, and now in the past year, actually this year, it hasn't even been a full year. They've done 32 deals. They've added on four employees. They are absolutely crushing it. And, uh, they are here to share their story. Um, so guys, Mike, Seth, super grateful to have you on. All right, man. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> they are so excited. Um, so guys, um, let's start with Seth. Tell me, what got you started in real estate? Uh, well, uh, it kind of goes back to when I was like 17 or so. Um, I was trying to find a way to move out of the house and not have to pay to, to live, <laughs> essentially. I was like, how can I move out and not have to worry about living expenses? So I started looking and I was like, dude, if I can buy a duplex and live on one side and have somebody else pay me rent, that would be the best possible way for me to be able to invest in real estate and not have any living expenses. So I started trying to figure that out. I didn't really, nothing ever happened with it um, until recently actually. But um, during COVID was like the bigger point of when I actually started to act on some thoughts that I was having. So I was working like crazy um, in physical therapy clinics and settings um, because during COVID, a lot of the employees in multiple uh, multiple clinics were out due to COVID and a lot of employees were down. So they needed extra help in nursing homes. And so I was able to, to go pick up more hours in nursing homes. And you know, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. The paychecks are great, but I was just like, dude, I don't want to continue to work this much just to see such a little increase on my paychecks. Like it doesn't make any sense. I'm here every single day for 12 hours a day. I'd rather just take the money that I'm making now and go invest it into something that'll make me more money. So I don't have to continue to work like this to see these kind of paychecks. So I started reading during the COVID shutdown and uh, obviously started reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, and then from there, it started sparking a bunch of other things. You know, I started looking at wholesaling, what, what I could do to move the needle within the short term. And I just started reading a bunch of wholesaling books, um, read as much as I could. I can't, I can't tell you which ones they are because I just absorbed as much information as possible. But I read a bunch of books and I texted Mike. And I was like, dude, let's, let's try wholesaling. He's like, what the heck are you talking about? Man? He's like, what is this? And so he started reading the books and he got on board and, uh, you know, we just took the leap. So that's kind of how we got into it. Um, the rest of it is how we got here is a completely different story, but that's how, how, how we started to get into real estate. Awesome. And, and so Mike, would you tell us a little bit about like how you guys got even started together in the first place? Yeah. Um, so me and Seth knew each other from college and uh, I was actually a year ahead of him. So he was my little sieve. Um, and we were in the same physical therapy program. So um, we kept in touch afterwards and, you know, really good friends, but we didn't hang out too much. Um, but he knew that we were both interested in business. So 
uh, during the COVID shutdown, I was actually, I bought a little Prius and I was driving around doing uh, DoorDash and stuff. And um, he was like texting me and I was just driving on the road and he's like, dude, I'm listening to these books. Super interesting concept. It's kind of crazy how easy it is to make this much money. Just give these a listen and let me know what you think. So I started listening to them and uh, yeah, like you said, I was, I was like skeptical. <laughs> and you know me now, you know my personality. That's kind of how I am. So I was like, man, I don't know if that's real. I don't know, you know, if it's possible for us to do it in this market, that kind of stuff. And um, he's like, let's just try it out. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, we're not doing much else right now. So, uh, so yeah, that's how, that's how we did it. We sat down on his couch in his living room and uh, made an LLC and we just started making calls. Yeah, I, I, what I'm hearing right now is exactly what I saw play out every single week where Seth is the gas and, and Mike is the brakes. Uh, and that's good. You, you need that balance. And so for anyone familiar with um, EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or Traction is a really popular book for business owners. Um, Seth is your, your classical visionary and Mike is your classical integrator. Um, so the fact that you guys were able to find each other, partner up and, and have that work out um, is a huge win and be give you a huge leg up to start from. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, <laughs> if, I, if I didn't have Mike checking every single step that I made, probably would have crashed and burned already. <laughs> so it's probably a good thing that we partnered up as early as we did and that we got the guidance that we needed early on because people talk a lot about, you know, what to do in a partnership and how to make your partnership successful. And we, we didn't do that when we partnered up. It was, we just partnered up, started to do something and then got the guidance basically right out of the gate to figure out how to continue to be successful doing so. That's awesome. And then, uh, so Mike, take me back to the beginning, man. Um, you were a little skeptical about it. You weren't really too sure about anything. Um, what did it look like when you guys first started? Um, what were some thoughts you guys had every day? Uh, just take me back to the beginning, man. What was that like? So it was a lot of just uh, ideas being tossed around. There wasn't, we didn't have our roles um, mapped out or anything. So it was just a lot of uh, throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what stuck, you know? And um, so we were, we were both working still full time when we started. And, um, you know, obviously the shutdown ended and we went back to work and uh, we were just, every day after we got out of work, we were doing whatever we could, um, you know, from five to seven o'clock, just trying to make calls, get in touch with people and uh, get the word across. So it wasn't, we didn't have any systems in place when we started, for sure. It was, <laughs> it was a very just uh, chaotic period, but it was fun. So we were doing a lot of driving for dollars and cold calling. That's pretty much the only thing we were doing at the beginning. Awesome, man. Yeah. Um, and then like, so you guys both had W2 jobs when you first started. Um, Seth, can you walk me through how you guys knew you were ready to quit your W2 jobs and what that process looked like? Uh, well, I didn't, uh, to be quite honest. I didn't know I was ready to quit. I just did. <laughs> kind of like Dan said, pour gas and brakes and uh, the way that I do things. So I kind of just jumped ship. I was like, well, got a little bit of money in the bank. Why don't we just do this full time and see what happens? So a little bit about my background. I, uh, 
I was working full time at a physical therapy clinic, outpatient orthopedic and sports. So I was working with um, higher level high school athletes and some high level college athletes as well. So I, for all intents and purposes, it, it was my dream job, essentially. Um, I got to work um, with physical therapy stuff and strength and conditioning stuff with these higher level athletes. I mean, I went to, went to work and had a fun time every day, but I was making $50,000 a year. And, you know, it was never my intention to stay making $50,000 a year. I love physical therapy. I'm still in school for physical therapy, but it, it does, it's not going to get me to where I want to be one day. And so, um, what, what happened was I was at work consistently and we started doing RVMs on top of the driving for dollars and making cold calls after we got out of work. So. I would send out RVMs while I'm sitting on my laptop doing documentation for um, physical therapy. And I was just like, dude, this is like, I can't, I can't give my everything to either of these activities right now because I'm so caught up in real estate because I can see that it's growing. It's making my future grow like before my eyes, but I also can't give my patients what they need and deserve from me. So as soon as we had done about, what, four or five deals. We had some money in the bank and we, we really started spending a little bit of money on marketing. And I was like, you know what? Our potential is going to be limited until I leave my job. So um, we bought an investment property that basically pays our living expenses. And I jumped ship because I didn't need anything else. Living expenses were paid. And as long as I had a, I had a safety net to be able to take care of my personal finances and the rest of it was just betting on myself. So I jumped ship like probably three or four months after getting our first deal. And since then, I mean, things have grown tremendously. So I think that's probably one of the best things that I I've done, but that's what it, that's what it looks like to answer your question. Awesome. Um, and then, so what does your guys' business look like now? And what would you say it took to get there? And Seth, if you could answer that one, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so right now our business looks like um, we have myself and Mike. So I am the visionary, but I'm also on dispositions as well. Um, Mike is an integrator and he's a lead manager and he's on acquisition. So it's, it's tough. Right now, we're trying to grow out of that, but those are the roles that we're in. I'm also on transaction coordination. And then we have four VAs. All of them are currently cold calling, um, and they are, one of them is being transitioned into an admin, and then we're continuing to hire cold callers. Um, we are hiring on our first acquisitions guy and, you know, a couple of dispositions of VAs as well. So things are growing tremendously, but as it sits, we have four cold callers, myself and Mike. Uh, we started out just obviously me and Mike and what it, what it took to get there, I think number one is you gotta be consistent in the effort that you're taking. So we had the consistency. I mean, there was not a lot going on during COVID and during the shutdown. And so instead of wasting our time watching Netflix, playing video games, we decided to be productive, spend our time doing something that gave us some potential. So I think the 
first thing was consistent consistency. The second thing is figuring out what you're doing with someone who's already done it. So we got on board with um, Dan as a coach. And I think that organizing the business the way that he helped us do and giving us the, the right action steps that we needed to take to get from where we were at at one to three deals a month to now where we're at doing anywhere between four and seven deals per month, I'd say. Um, Dan gave us the steps to take to get there. And like anything else, honestly, like nobody's going to do it for you. They'll give you the advice to get there, but he was good enough to be able to tell us how to structure our business and what steps we needed to take. Um, we just had to go out and do it. So just taking consistent action and making sure you have somebody that knows how to get you from point A to point B, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah. And, and I want to reiterate one thing that you said is that, I mean, you guys still took all the action and, and that is what's more important than anything. I mean, there's a reason that that is uh, the first word in my Instagram handle. Uh, it's because it, it, you can know everything, but if you don't take action on it, it doesn't matter what you know. And no matter what you're doing, it, it, you have to take consistent action every single day, that small daily action to move that needle forward just a little bit each and every day. And then in a year, you can accomplish amazing things if you just get a little bit better every day. And I mean, you guys and what you've been able to accomplish this year um, just shows that. So uh, hats off to you guys. Um, let's, let's dig into something super fun that everyone loves to talk about. Um, and that is uh, your, your failures. And I like to call them lessons because we all have the opportunity to learn from them and grow from them. And that is truly how we grow. We don't grow by winning all the time. We grow by screwing up, figuring out what we did wrong, and then making sure we don't do it again and that we do something differently next time. So um, Mike, would you tell me, you know, what are some of the biggest failures and lessons that you've learned uh, throughout this past year? Oh, geez. Um, I would say the biggest failure was my inaction um, that we went through a lot, you know, during the mentorship, as far as me not taking the leap that Seth did right away. Um, we probably could have even been further if I had, but um, that's obviously, like you said, a lesson. Um, and since then, I've, I've adapted quite a bit and just to touch on on what Seth has said, like, um, if, if you're my personality type and you're very like uh, hesitant on things or more, um, you like to play things safe, um, at some point you're just gonna have to let go of that a little bit and, and just take the leap. And, uh, you know, like Seth gave me the compliment, I have to give all the praise to him because without him taking that first initial leap, we definitely wouldn't have been here. So, um, at, at some point you just have to take that action. But yeah, I would say my biggest failure through this has been uh, my, my inaction on some things. And how about you, Seth? What was one of your biggest failures and lessons that you learned? Uh, I mean, it's not a huge thing, but it's one of those things that sticks with me to this day. Is there's one deal that we had uh, and we had a for sure, so it goes to buyers, it's a little bit more detail specific. Um, so we had a deal under contract and this deal, 
I could have easily sent to somebody for like a five or $10,000 assignment fee, somebody that we've already done business with. Um, and what I was doing is I was working my networks. So another one of my investors had a house under contract that they're buyers. They don't typically wholesale, especially in this area. They just buy stuff. Well, they were ready to close on something. And, uh, I guess there was an inspection that the city did and the house was no longer in their buy box. So, um, I was talking to them and had built a pretty good relationship with them to the point where I was like, Hey, you know, if you guys have stuff, I'm sure you run across leads all the time. If you guys have stuff that's in your system, um, that doesn't fit your buy box, why don't you send them to me and I can give you 50% of the split just for moving it. And so they were like, okay, yeah, there's actually this one property that we have and they gave it to me and, uh, the property needed some work. I had some people run through um, what needed to be done to it. And we had multiple offers on it for a little bit lower than what the investor wanted for it. And so I kept pushing, looking for a new buyer to maybe see if we could get a little bit more money out of it. And we had this thing under contract at like 38 grand and we were getting offers for like maybe 50, 50 tops. Well, I found a new buyer through an agent and this agent basically had vouched for the buyer and was like, yeah, we've already done a couple of deals. Like he's good. I promise. And, uh, so I was like, okay, well, how much does he want to buy this property for? And, and the agent told me 75 and I was like, Oh, oh, that guy right away. Like that's a way better fee. Everybody gets a better split. Let's do that. And so one thing that Dan had actually told me too, he was like, make sure that you, you get a $2,500 amount of fundable earnest money deposit from your buyers as a, way to bet them if they don't have a problem with twenty five hundred dollars not fundable then shouldn't be an issue well i took the agent's word for it and i was like you know if he's done deals with you for um you know i, I trust you I, by the way i didn't know this agent either so if he's done deals with you before then you know i trust it but we have a twenty five hundred dollar non-fundable earnest money deposit so let him know that the guy obviously refused it. He was like, I'm not, I'm not giving them $2,500. I'll give them $500. So again, the agent was like, I've done, I've done deals with this guy. He's good. Well, everything came to fruition and gets the closing day. And this guy tries to bump back the closing. So we bumped it back and then try to bump it back again. And then my buyer that gave this to me, um, he's all pissed off. The agent's frustrated. And I look like the bad guy because I didn't vet this guy. So the deal falls through. Um, earnest money was lost. I lost the respect of one of the guys on my buyers list by trying to do a JV deal, but I didn't vet the buyer. So I think that the biggest thing there is to just, you know, my lesson was to stick to the things that are in your routine, like your screening process, the way that you do things don't compromise based on based on people vouching for other individuals. You always got to do your own due diligence and make sure that everyone is credible. So I guess it's kind of the all gas mentality there where I found somebody for $75,000 and I was like, all right, we'll take it. But it's not always the best option. So that was one of the bigger failures that I've had. And then I had to break that to Mike. <laughs> it just didn't feel good either. I was like, oh, we have a really good deal going. And then it, I had to tell him that it fell through because I wasn't smart about it. So that's, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the bigger ones. Yeah. And, and 
you know, what that boils down to is that you broke your process. So you didn't follow your process. And that's why we have processes because they allow us to create predictable results. And if something falls outside of that process, then suddenly we don't know what to expect. And I think that's when, when we started first working together, that was one of the biggest things that I, I wanted to show you guys is that this can be a business, not just a job. And you can have those right roles in place, the right people in the right seats. And you have these systems in place so that you can have predictable results so that you know how you do things. And there's that control because if you're doing things differently every single time, you don't know what to expect. And if you, and then at the same time, if you're not following the process that you have, then you'll get on, uh, you know, disappointing situations like that. And so, um, I mean, it seems like you've learned from it, but for, for anybody listening, uh, that just tells you the importance of, of having a process and following the process. Cause it doesn't matter if you have a process, if you don't follow it. Right. And I mean, having a process and not following it is the same as not having a process at all. So, you know, that's where that quality control comes in. Like, so after that, you, you could recap like, all right, well, did we follow our process? And the answer would be no. And that would be the reason why that fell through. Um, so sounds like you've learned from that. I, I do want to uh, turn it up to something more positive. Let's talk about wins. One of your, I want to go over one of your favorite wins. Um, Seth, let's start, start with you. Cause you just had to go through that big disappointing loss uh so give me one of your favorite wins over the past year uh well the most obvious one sorry i'm stealing your thunder here mike but it's the easy answer <laughs> so basically in july we closed our biggest deal to date um, we had our first six-figure month so we wholesaled a portfolio of i think 13 different property 13 different units Seven properties, 13 units um, for a total of $134,000 in a month. That was, a, that was an awesome, awesome month for us. So we had that one plus, I think, three others close in that month. So um, that was definitely one of our biggest wins. It was definitely a learning experience for sure to do a wholesale deal on a portfolio like that. Um, but we got it done. So that's, that's one of our biggest wins for the year. Yeah, that's a huge win. That's awesome. Yeah, that's more. I mean, in in one deal, you made more than you were making in an entire year at your W two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that. Yeah, that's a that's a grand slam. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. And Mike, how about you? What's give me give me your your favorite win? That was probably it. But if you if you had a second one, what would it be? Um. Man, I'll, I'll brag on Seth on this one, right? So um, when we were in Utah last month at, at the Sharper Business Convention, um, we pretty much got a deal done while we were there. And when I say we, it was all set. Um, <laughs> it was something that was happening in real time while we were you know, watching presentations and um, trying to take notes and stay focused and be present where we were at. And then we had this deal going on back in Indiana that needed to close in a week. And in the middle of all this stuff, Seth is, you know, talking to buyers, talking to the seller, doing transaction coordination and everything. 
um, talking to the title company, making sure it's going to close on time. And from the time we were at the airport to the time we got back to Indiana, that was like a $30,000 assignment that closed in five days. And that was, just, that was just cool sitting back on that and watching Seth uh, go crazy. <laughs> and so I think that was one that was super recent that was just, it was really cool to see how fast uh, a month can go from being okay to just changing like that. Yeah, there's, there's another one too that we're working on and knock on wood that everything continues to go through, but we're making our first purchase of a um, bigger commercial rental property. Um, so it's 14 units, it's gonna be cash flow and about $5,000 a month for us um, once we close on that one. So that potentially a big win coming very soon. So yeah, that's yeah, it's huge. It'll add 14 units to our portfolio. That'll put us close to 20 units within a year. That's awesome. You guys are going to keep that one. Yep. That's, that's one that we want to keep. Yeah. Very it's cool. actually, it's creative. So there's a seller finance portion and a subject to portion on this one. So it's not traditional by any means, super complicated. And I'll brag on Mike for this part because he basically structured the entire deal um, and pitched it to the, to the seller and everything seems like it's going to go through. So um, it's going to be a pretty killer deal for us with limited out-of-pocket expense. So pretty excited about that one. Yeah. Or I do remember at the Sharper event, like you guys were constantly talking about that deal. And like, I just remember like sitting on the outside looking in, like these guys are really just closing the deal. Like, you know, every five minutes or so. Um, like you guys are just checking your phone, talking about the deal. You're like, hey, did you get that update? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was actually like really cool just to watch from the outside. And I felt yeah. bad too because there, there was a lot of uh, a lot of value that the Sharper team was providing, but I was like, we we're not scaled enough yet to have someone taking care of this. So every you know 20 minutes, I'd have to walk out, make a phone call, and come back in, hope that I got as much as I possibly could have gotten out of out of the seminar. So. It was good and bad. <laughs> At the same time, though, that's the beauty of the real estate industry, right? Like you yeah. guys are in Indiana, but you were able to close a deal from Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's huge. And then, so Mike, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think is the single biggest thing that you guys have changed from when you started to how you got to where you guys are now? Um, accountability and just being in the right seats and knowing your lane and uh i know this sounds like a infomercial for dan but <laughs> i mean it really is i mean dan brought all that structure to us and um so i think that's the biggest thing is just knowing what you're supposed to do in the day what you're responsible for getting it done and not worrying about if you know in my case if seth is doing what he's supposed to be doing i know he is and then we just come together and create a whole picture i think uh that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, that's the difference between, like you said, a business and a job. So we're not quite there yet, but that's the ultimate goal is, right? To be able to have it automated enough to where we can step out and then pursue something else. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, I think it was Seth who described you guys' business as a high paying hobby. And I really like that like analogy. Um, like you took it from a high paying hobby into an actual full fledged business um Seth I'd love your insight man like what do you think is the like single biggest like impact thing you guys have changed about your business since you started to now 
Uh, well, it's kind of like, like Mike said, just to basically piggyback on the same thought. Um, so we started out just flying around and trying to make stuff happen. You know, we printed business cards, we passed business cards, we drove for dollars every day. Once we had a list together, we would call between five and seven. So the consistency and the action was there, but we were stepping on each other's toes and doing the same exact thing. And sometimes we were doing things that one person was better than the other at or something that we didn't like um, that we just kind of had to go through anyways. And so once we divided ourselves into what we're good at, what our roles are going to be within the business, um, we stopped stepping on each other's toes. We started trusting each other a little bit and uh, making sure that we were responsible for the tasks that we had to get done for the day. We always had a specific number that we had to hit for whatever task that we were doing. And it really just started to accelerate the process. I mean, you have two people working full time on a business in completely separate areas. And so you start to make progress a lot quicker by doing those things when you have the organization to be able to do so. And it's still like an ongoing thing, you know, um, I have these thoughts all the time being in the visionary seat where sometimes it makes me want to step out of my seat into Mike's realm a little bit to try to implement something. But um, I know that that's not my role and that's what Mike is better at than I am. Um, and it's very, very obvious when it comes to certain things. Uh, so I just think that making sure that you're organized and not stepping on each other's toes and both parties are being as productive as possible it really helped us get from just flying around trying to make a $10,000 check into making five to seven times that every month and not doing nearly as much work because we're in our lane doing it consistently. Man, I'm proud. <laughs> you guys, you guys, uh, man. That, so just looking back to like, from when we first started together to where you guys are now, just, just the, the mindset shift alone. I and mean, like, yeah, the results speak for themselves, but like the mindset of you guys have adopted the mindset of business owners, not, not just people who are fulfilling a, a job and, and doing these different roles in the business. So when you're, when we were first started together, you guys were doing a lot of the same stuff and you maybe didn't even realize that. And, and now you're talking about like respecting each other's roles and having that clear boundary and staying in your lane. Like that stuff is so key. And that's things that a lot of people never learn. Um, and just look at the, but look at the results that it's, it's allowed you to guys achieve. And it's that like creating the business, turning it into an actual structured, processed business has allowed you guys to ramp up big time, hire all these employees. And let's dig into that a little bit about where you guys are going with that now. So um, because Seth is the visionary, I'm guessing he has uh, that already in mind. He probably already has the next 10 years uh, in his mind of where he wants to go. So um, Seth, I mean, where are you guys planning on going from here? So uh, the plan is to be um, a nationwide wholesaling company. Um, figuring out the logistics for that is going to be an interesting thing. But 
within the short term and by the end of the year, we will be in eight different virtual markets. So seven different ones, plus the one that we're currently in right now. And we're figuring out the logistics, putting together buyers lists, putting together systems um, to be able to disposition deals once we get them and uh, putting together the front end with the lead manager and acquisitions guys to be able to tackle a deal as soon as it pops up and make sure that our process is consistent. So we want to be um, by next, well, by the beginning of this coming year, um, so by January 2022, I'd like to be between 12 and 15 deals a month. So that's that's where we're headed. Yeah. And that's amazing just to think about. I mean, you guys really haven't been doing this that long. And to think about even where you guys are now, I mean, Seth, you, you probably would have had to, to stay in your, your previous job for 15 years to be able to get to a salary at this level. Um, I mean, it's, it's truly amazing what, what this business can do for people and what you can do when you actually take action. Yeah, I mean, it's huge because, you know, you get into, you know, your typical W-2 jobs and a good paying W-2 job will pay six figures. Um, but from the time I quit my full-time job until the end of the year, so between like late October to December, we had already doubled that, doubled what I was going to make for the year in a physical therapy setting. So um, I wish I would have known about it earlier, would have taken action about it like way before if I knew about it earlier, but you know, it's not the path that God gave us to, to go. So um, I guess now it's just a matter of making sure that our story is known and letting people know that they can achieve financial freedom and build a business, and live the life that they want to live. If they just, simply take action on it it's possible you just have to get uncomfortable a little bit you gotta jump ship when you're not sure of what your final destination is going to be so yeah and, and what mike just showed us is that you can also build massive biceps while doing it at the same time <laughs> <laughs> I, I was waiting for that flow oh, man <laughs> all right that's going to be the cover of this this episode um so mike if if you were just starting out, what are the top things, knowing what you know now, what are the top things that you would focus on? Um, well, just going back to taking action. I mean, because I think a lot of people get stuck in the overanalyzing, you know, analysis paralysis. And um, so they're focused on learning every intricate aspect of real estate, which is, as you know, impossible. I mean, you can't learn everything. You're always constantly learning. So you might as well just get out there and take the action. Um, as far as like what we've seen most effective and easiest entry, um, definitely cold calling. You know, so that would that would still be the marketing technique that I would recommend to people. Um, and it's, it's the easiest to get started on and the easiest to scale. So um, I think if I was starting out again, I would just jump into that. And as soon as I got my first deal, put it back into it. So increase marketing in that area, get really good at that, hire based on that, train based on that, and then branch out into other things as you go. Awesome. And 
Um, what would be the best way for people to reach you guys? I mean, in seven, eight markets. Um, so if they have a deal that they want to JV with you on, or if they want to sell it to you, or, or they just want help, what's the best way to reach you guys? Yeah, so we're going to be looking at anything in the Midwest. So the seven or eight markets, we're going to be, um, you know, Cincinnati, uh, Milwaukee, Indiana, Indianapolis, um, our local market, Northwest Indiana. So places like that, Kentucky and Tennessee, we'll look at too. So anything in those areas, um, the best way to reach us is for me, I guess uh, you can put my personal number on there. I'd be more than happy to receive a text from anybody that has a question. Um, 219-484-1338. And uh, my Instagram is, geez, I think it's Michael Becerra 21 I'm not on there a ton, but you can try to get me on there too. <laughs> um, yeah, so as far as Seth goes, I don't know if he wants to give his number up, but. Yeah, so um, my, my I usually answer my phone before I check anything else. So you can text me or call me at 219-902-0297. You can email me, which I don't really check. You can email me at um, seth at webuy219.com. And Instagram is Seth underscore Hardy zero three. Awesome. And what if someone wanted to meet you in person at your house? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Awesome, guys. Uh, well, I want to thank you guys for being here, sharing your stories, your your lessons, your your wins. Um, I know we're all better for it. Super grateful for you guys. Um, Want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you got value out of this, then please like, subscribe, comment, and share with your friends. And I want to make sure that you're able to grow from this. So just pick one thing from today and take action on it right now. As soon as you're done listening, just do that one thing to move in the right direction. Make that call, schedule that meeting, just do something. The only way that you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out and take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro with my co-host, Matt Bruner with Real Estate Heroes.